kind of looks at the lock and has like a little flashback here. This is actually pretty good. I like yes. this. Team looks around with Gloria saying, "Holy Roman Empire!" As she does, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> more like Robin. <laughs> Matt is 99% know-it-all. He knows everything. He's only been stumped once that we've seen so far. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80s guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble mobile armored strike command. Welcome back, Agents, to MassCast in episode 73 with yet another review of the Mobile Armored Strike Command animated series from 1985. Coming up, we will be reviewing episode 57, Incident in Istanbul. Say that about five times fast. Uh, which, <laughs> which will include our play-by-play -play commentary mixed in with audio clips from the actual episode, as we always do. When we reach the dramatic halfway point and the conclusion of the episode, we'll pause to give our impressions and our verdict using our one to five scale mask o meter rating. Then we will turn it over to you, the listener, and announce the results of our online rating poll and also read back your reviews posted at agentsofmask.com. If you want to contribute to these podcasts, it's pretty easy. Just visit our website, agentsofmask.com. Look in the right hand column there and you'll see the mass cast assignment. There'll be a picture. Just click on that picture. It'll take you right to the review post where you can watch the video, vote in the poll, leave your comment, and you're good to go. Incident in Istanbul was originally broadcast on December 17, 1985 in the United States and follows Venom, who hijacks an armored car in Istanbul, stealing Constantine's chess set, which contains secrets to finding his golden crown. It's up to Mask to stop Mayhem and his crew. I'm Jason, one of your hosts of MassCast. With me, as always, is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the Rex DeForest to my John Candy. Hey, bites, the bee bites, the bark of the tree bites, the quietness of darkness, the stories told by firelight, the long nights, the a summer made of memories at Camp Candy. Wyatt, when's the last time you've been camping? Way too long. <laughs> <laughs> and most recently, we did go camping virtually with Camp Candy. And you can... I will leave the suspense on that show. We call that We Discovered. Mm -hmm. um, there's an episode. We'll call it that. <laughs> You're kind of giving away already, but yeah, we uh, we do the show on the Rediscover the 80s podcast called Rediscovered, imagine that, and uh, we're going back and trying to uh, get through several cartoon shows and TV shows and movies from the 80s that just plain missed us or 
not uh, faint memories, we'll say, of watching those as kids. And Camp Candy was one of those that I had faintly remember watching. Debuted in 1989, ran for three seasons up through 1992. Two of those seasons were on Saturday mornings, and then the last one was in syndication. We uh, pretty much broke down that show. We actually, uh, uh, I tweeted John Candy's daughter, and she responded. And as far as uh, some of the development of the show and getting her take on that, which was pretty cool. And uh, just broke it down, went through the episodes, and it was, uh, like you said, it was a show that we reviewed. <laughs> That's it. Uh, no, it was, you know, John Candy was well-beloved back in the 80s. So obviously he's the most prominent character in there. And you can still get some of, uh, you know, what he was in the movies in that cartoon show. But uh, some of it did not quite translate to the screen. That's about the best way that uh, Jason can put it. But like Jason said, we have a few entities and we're plugging, it seems, rediscovered. And like you said, the episodes are all about stuff that's just passed us all together. Or mm-hmm. like Jason said, it's faint memories. We tried to actually hit on the obscure where they were only ran one season or maybe only 10 or 13 episodes. That's a uh, cartoon or a TV show. We mm-hmm. also do movies where we're just going, what was this in the eighties and how we missed this. So that's all the show is about. Again, we basically do a thumbs up, thumb down rating, you know, keep it in the eighties <laughs> or go back and rediscover it. And uh, we'll, again, we'll leave the suspense for, Camp Candy for you, the yeah. listener. But it's still it's a fun episode. It was uh, decent to uh, to go through. But like Jason said, we we love John Candy as the, as the actor, the the comedy that he brought to us. But hey, he lived on in cartoon world too. Yeah, a lot of people miss that. A lot of people forget that. Uh, maybe not remember that he did have his own show there. So. And we're all about, you know, uh, in this part of the mass cast, going back and trying to find some of these old cartoons. And wasn't a lot uh, of really uh, famous voice actors and, and that behind uh, Camp Candy. Obviously, John was the main voice. And uh, a, a few there that uh, people would probably recognize if you're in tune with the uh, voice acting world. But uh, not any of the big hitters, we'll say, in a major role. Some of them were more just... Uh, Lent voices and even uh, John Candy's on-screen partner Eugene Levy uh, had some uh, voice uh, contributions in there, and even John's kids uh, Jennifer and Chris both uh, contributed voices to the show. So it was really a family affair, family and friend affair, as they were uh, developing that show. So go check that out on Rediscovered uh, when you get a chance. But uh, let's go ahead and move along with the show and get our mask on. Get your mask on. <laughs> Of course, that's not uh, intended to be involved with COVID-19, but uh, if you want to get your mask on while you're listening to this, go for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it the other day. I was like, get your mask on. Well, uh, I just we saw we're Mimi. not requiring we're not I requiring just saw Mimi masks. today that had, uh, uh, what was it, me after, tw- after the year 2020, and it was Spaceballs, the, the, the <laughs> what's his name? Yes. I can't remember, the Darth Vader wannabe yeah. that. Dark Darth helmet. helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you see Rick Moranis, you know, the helmet and it, just right after he'd been wearing that for so long. He goes, how can you breathe in this thing? Yeah, man, I can't breathe in this thing. Yeah. yeah. And that was the image. And it was like hilarious. That's spot on. That's yeah. Right for this year. <laughs> yes. 
Well, uh, I had only one note and get your mask on for this episode. And that was basically an update on where we left off last episode in the worst mask episode ever. Is it Stone Trees or is it Panda Power? You know, for the longest time, Panda Power has been my lowest of the low. The only one that ever got, I think, a one rating. And last episode, Stone Trees also received a one rating. The second time I've ever done that. And I had to go back and just to make sure which one is the lowest of the low. (laughs) So uh, I went back and watched Panda Power, regrettably. Just a few notes here that I wrote down. The jokes in that episode were all puns and horrible. Lifter was used twice in the episode. The logistics from China to Easter Island were a bit weird. I think it was kind of quick to get there. Uh, the animation was not great, but more vehicles were featured in Panda Power than in uh, Stone Trees. So I'm putting Stone Trees a tick lower than Panda Power. It is my uh, lowest of the low. So we've got that uh, air cleared now. We can move on and try to find better episodes. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, to this point, and we say this every time, and we're not trying to really throw a mask in the gutter because that's our favorite show, and we want uh, people to go back and rediscover it. But I'm just going to steer them away from those two episodes <laughs> and uh, find some better ones. We might have to do a uh, what's the best of the best list when this is all over, Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all right, here are the 10 episodes you need to go watch right now if you haven't watched Mask in a while. But uh, yeah, this, I mean, this journey of watching all the mask episodes is kind of a discovery uh, a rediscovery of sorts, but mainly now is a discovery because these episodes I don't remember ever hitting. I don't ever remember watching the racing series that we'll get to soon. So, I mean, it's all going to be kind of fresh and new to us uh, with adult eyes. (laughs) Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good, but you know, here we are and we've got, uh, we've got this rating system just to kind of, weed out which ones we think are the best and which ones right. are not attest, so good. I can attest to a lot of this is rediscovered because I don't remember most of these episodes. I vaguely remember Deathstone and I think one other one. But the newer, I call these the, these newer ones, I'll call it with, with you get um, Scorpion or Stinger, whichever one you will call it. Calhoun Burns in this one. Yeah, Calhoun Burns. You know, these were all just the volcano van that's all new i remember seeing it in the store but i don't remember seeing it on the show so that tells you either i missed this quote-unquote season of mask or i completely just went brain dead i don't know yeah so, um, <laughs> yeah i mean some of these agents only appeared in a handful of episodes so it's right. it's real easy to miss once we're getting to this point towards the end of season one that you might miss some of the agents because they're only in there for a few. And it's not like a uh, ongoing story for most of these. It's just whatever agents are going to be in this episode. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's it. Don't have any two parters or don't have any uh, really continuation from episode to episode. So uh, yeah, it's understandable. So yeah, we're getting up here and uh, we are now over in Turkey, Istanbul for this episode. You ready to get things going? I'm ready to start the mouse cast.
So we pan left across the shipyard with Thunderhawk being lifted by a hoist or a crane from the ship to the dock. Nearby, a group of men appear to be loading some cargo into a van. At first, I thought this was like bad guys, you know, sneaking around, you know, being right in front, but under their noses. Instead, we see Scott and T-Bob shuffle up with Scott commenting that it must be one expensive chess set. And here, I had to change the name because I swear Scott said Memphe or something to that like. Yeah, I, I went back and changed it too because I didn't catch his name. Yeah, uh, yep. And it's a two-part name because he calls him Mehmet and then he calls him Mehmet Bay at different points. So anyway. Yeah. So so to which he, he meaning uh, Mehmet, Memphe, M-O-U-S-E, replies that they are pleased to have it returned. Dad said it's a national treasure. Yes, Scott. It once belonged to the Emperor Constantine himself. I bet he'll be glad to get it back. T-Bob, he's been dead for 1,500 years. Then he'll really have something to get off his chest. Boom, boom, boom. Roll your eyes. Mm-hmm. Just then, we see Thunderhawk pull up with Matt commenting that they're ready to go with Mehmet Bay. And there's the cleared up name. Yeah, right. Who locks this padlock. It's a funky padlock at that. Matt states that he'd be happier when it reaches the museum with Mehmet Bay replying that it would be a shame with all the effort that Matt's put in to get it from the Italians back to Istanbul. Come on, guys. All aboard the Topkapi tour. Do not deviate from our planned route. Mr. Tracker will be following us to the museum. And their journey takes them to something we see here all the time, at least in the D.C. and Baltimore area, a traffic jam. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, uh, don't jinx the whole episode here, buddy. (laughs) You know, about... I hope nothing happens to this thing. Well, of course, something's going to happen to it. That's just the, the nature of these things. But yes, uh, we find ourselves in a uh, traffic jam. There's a nice shot overhead of the city here before it they is. get into there. So I, I did want to note that in there as we uh, are getting down here to the city streets. But they get stuck in traffic. Matt leans over to Scott to tell him. This is the Galata Bridge. They sure do got a lot of bridge there. It's the main link across the channel, and it's always crowded, so I'd better keep an eye on that armored car. A man pulling a cart gets in between the back of the armored car and the front of Thunderhawk, and it kind of slows Thunderhawk back for a second as the traffic advances forward. And as we look back, we see it is Dagger in disguise. So we get a little glimpse that Venom is already on the scene and up to no good. Suddenly, the bridge rises with Matt saying that it's only supposed to happen at night when there's no traffic. So now he and uh, the armored car are separated from this raised bridge. And Matt even comments that uh, a boat isn't even passing by, so there's no reason for this open bridge. Scott asks, why would they do that? And Matt says, the bigger question here is, where is the armored car now? Mm -hmm. So... Thunderhawk is now uh, parked on the bridge with Matt talking to one of the locals. I guess he just, I can't remember if they were in traffic at the time still or something, but he just threw it in park and yep. <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. Well, Scott and T-Bob, who had not been told on camera to stay in the car, decide that it's a good time to exit the car. We were supposed to stay in the car. We'll be close by. Look, there's a cafe right across the street. 
Holy cow! Wait until Dad sees this. Dad, Dad, come quick! Scott shows him the armored car is nearby. Matt runs up and says it's abandoned, with T-Bob suggesting that maybe they were just hungry, which is, a you know, they're right next to that cafe there. Matt doesn't think so. It's not as simple as that. Scott says maybe they had car trouble. And Matt doesn't think so either. And, and as he walks to the rear of the vehicle, he uh, he kind of looks at the lock and has like a little flashback here. This was actually pretty good. I like yeah. this. Yeah. So he's basically remembering the back of the truck as uh, Mehmet locked it. And he notices it's a different lock on the back of the truck and exclaims, they switched cars. And Matt tells Scott he needs to drop him at the hotel so he can go track down Mehmet. Scott complains as usual. Oh, Dad. <laughs> Says it was just getting interesting. So we fade back to the hotel now. Right, and that's where he, uh, Matt suggests to Scott that he could go to the Grand Bazaar while T-Bob says he doesn't want to visit anything bizarre. It's a marketplace, T-Bob. Lots of curio shops and places to eat. Uh-oh, you said the magic word. Oh, boy. Can I get a souvenir? Okay, gotta go. Remember, stay out of trouble. T-Bob is all too eager. Oh, you said the right magic word. Yeah, so t- does T-Bob eat now? I mean... <laughs> well, I know. thought it was actually him picking on Scott because I guess Scott... Uh, like inhales food now I, I don't know I, 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 I figured it was already yeah. a pun, pun for Scott I thought it was just another you know uh, human Motion. characteristic yep. or trait that they're putting on D-Bob that he gets hungry So of course so at the Grand Bazaar the duo look around with Scott enticed by this curved sword in this little shop <clears throat> may I help you little ones he'd like to get a souvenir everything in my store is a bargain Perhaps a brass plate or a copper pot (laughs) for your little metal friend here. How about this sword? That scimitar, done. Wait till Dad sees this. Pay him, T-Bob. I kind of chuckled at this because now I guess T-Bob is the money bot. (laughs) Well, he was going into his little compartment there like he's ready to pull out some money. They almost like stopped him short, though. He was like mid-sentence, and I'm not sure what uh, necessarily happened here, but yeah. So uh, as irresponsible as Scott is, you don't want him running around with a wallet full of cash. I so <laughs> but then T-Bob trots over to the counter with Scott impressed and again, getting ready to fork out the money. But Scott is impressed about the size of this sword. It looks like Bruce's samurai sword at that and suggests they go back to the hotel. Well, then they notices that T-Bob has not followed him outdoors. Then he hears him yelling for help as the clerk is hauling him out the back door. Mm-hmm. So Scott hears another cry down here, and he follows into a what looked like a, a cellar or some lower level building subway. Yeah, I don't know tunnel. Yeah, it yeah. looked kind of like a subway at first. Right. So then Scott explains it's an underground reservoir as he enters in. Wow, an underground reservoir, Scott. Help me! Help me! Scott, help! Over here! Scott shouts to bring him back with the clerk clarifying that the sale was a trade. The scimitar, which is the sword, for his little friend. Scott then jumps into a nearby rowboat and shouts, He's coming, T-Bob! 
<laughs> now we are cutting over to our radar image in Thunderhawk. Yep, we're back inside Thunderhawk. Matt tells the onboard computer to set for a frequency search, well, whatever that means. Matt then, uh, I didn't understand what uh, they were exactly scanning for, what frequency. Uh, Matt then tells the computer... Enlarge and home in on target, please. Target confirmed in fourth quadrant. Homing in. Target achieved. Castle of the Seven Towers. Once a Byzantine prison. Matt arrives in Thunderhawk and the doors are open on the armored car and men are just laid out on the ground. And he runs up to Mehmet. He asks if he's all right. He says yes and no, that he'll be better when they get the chest set back. How did you find us? I asked around. I took this as kind of more of an undercover operation for Mask. Uh, and and like Matt, Matt in particular that this Mehmet didn't know that anything about Mask and Matt's uh, secret identity. So uh, Matt uh, asked him if he saw anything. He says, just a bright flash. He lost consciousness and woke up here with uh, his driver alongside. He's uh, irritated they lost the chess set, but Matt assures him it won't be for long and tells him to file a police report and meet him back at the Tukapi Museum. So now we cut back inside uh, Thunderhawk, and we're ready to call up the team. Matt requests a satellite link to the mass computer, and we see the satellite now, which is pretty yep. cool. I mean, first time that I think I've noticed this, but uh, we see the satellite kind of out in outer space, and it's uh, moving around, you know, as to, you know, tune in and beam the signal. I think this is actually the second time we've seen it. There's, there's, Has there's it? been okay. one episode where... Everything finally like synced in, but they had everything going. Like they probably needed, yeah, you know, an extra minute here or wherever to to fill it all in. So you had the call up, you had the satellite animation, you then you had the the agents, then you had the agent, you know, the the whole lifting room and charging right. and everything. So it was a full complement, not this, you know, we're gonna piece yeah. it together because we need to tell the story more or whatever their thoughts are. Right, but I was glad to see it because I didn't Same. hadn't remembered uh, that they had done that before. But uh, Matt requests the best agents and uh, specifically tells the rendezvous point is the Tukapi Museum. So the computer selects Julio Lopez, and that aerial recon may be essential. Julio is playing chess, I guess, with himself. Didn't see anybody else in picture, a, but he's still in his like uh, hospital garb or doctor's outfit. I think he even had the a mask on his mm -hmm. face, and uh, he gets the signal, which is the wrong sound effect again, and just puts down the chest piece and leaves. And then Calhoun burns his next with Raven because an amphibious vehicle could be essential. He's in his house, I guess, with uh, maybe a brother or. <laughs> I, don't know who the, I don't know who the people were in there But they're around this table And a lady's pouring him and this other guy a drink And before she can quit pouring He gets the signal and he's out of there So she's left there just kind of Pouring out the drink <laughs> yeah. uh, Into nothing And finally we get Gloria Baker For her vehicle being adaptable As a submarine She has a club in her hand In her kitchen But she's I think in her like uh, Garb her uh Karate, you know, outfit. Uh, she gets the call. She puts the club down, which it appears she was going to practice some of her skills on a piece of meat. Just going to tenderize just a, it. That's what I, I thought it was just a tenderizer, but a funky shape. Well, it one. looked like, huge. It looked like a huge, like, mace, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. medieval 
<laughs> people would use. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's what it was for. They were kind of hinting at, all right, this is something maybe a ninja or a, you know, martial artist would use. And uh, she's just simply tenderizing some meat in her kitchen. So uh, the selection is complete. And now we cut out to our first shot of Venom with Mayhem Rex, Vanessa, Dagger, and Bruno huddled around this chest. But we didn't get uh, agents approved, and we didn't get an assembled mobile armor track command. Well, that's true. Yes, we did not get the full. Like you said, it's a rare thing that we ever do. (laughs) I know. So, like Jason said, we cut to the Venom team. Our package seems none the worse for wear from your driving, Vanessa. Now, if Rax can only remove it without breaking it after all my work. Good thing I rigged that bridge or you would have had nothing to drive. Good thing Bruno set it off while you were feeding your face at the cafe. (laughs) So as Miles takes the box, Dagger states that it's almost like Christmas. Miles instructs Dagger to take the headscarf off while he opens the box. Vanessa is not impressed that it's only a game. Miles adds that it is. And the winner takes all. It was all Constantine's. He adds that there's a bonus. That's a pretty good line. It is. That was actually a good one. Yeah, I like that line. He adds that there's a bonus to whomever finds the next clue. Dagger reaches in and bumps the chess set with one of the pieces falling out and breaking. Miles nearly cusses him out. I mean, he he was pretty sore. You stupid, clumsy blockhead. That's it. (laughs) And as he stumbles backwards and he falls into a fountain or some kind of pond. I don't know what we've done. And then the water washes over the fragments with Miles noticing that it, it revealed diamonds. Two of them. Well, well. Thanks for the message, Your Majesty. <laughs> so I guess Dagger got the bonus there. That's it. So back <laughs> in the boat chase, Scott is pursuing as he watches the, the guy turn down a tunnel. Then we hear a rush of water with Scott looking ahead to a waterfall. And we get to our commercial break. And pretty abrupt. I'm very abrupt. Almost like a soap opera. <laughs> right, right. What are you thinking so far? All right. So here we are at halftime. There was a little tick for the motion when the truck and Thunderhawk initially leave the harbor. It needed another shot of them moving or something because the wheels were just stationary. Yeah. And it just... I don't know. It didn't look right. The motion didn't look right when they initially left the harbor there, but that was more of a little tick. There's another little tick for, Hey, you're letting a kid buy a sword and wave it around this marketplace. You know, right. It seems odd with all the safety PSAs that we get each episode that they would have let this in that, uh, Scott could just simply go buy a sword and he, he's like running out of the, uh, shop with it and kind of waving it around, you know? And I'm like, wow, careful with that thing, dude. You're going to take somebody's head off. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of, I was like, I couldn't believe that they were actually kind of going with that. But, um, there's still some good mystery to be unveiled at halftime. You know, why was T-Bob taking, Will that have anything to do with the story, or is it just a time filler? I mean, that was another thought in my head. Uh, you know, what exactly is the big treasure, and how will Mask find Venom and all of this? And I was kind of wondering, even if Mehmet was in on it, you know, an inside job here. 
so those were just kind of some of the questions that I was pondering at halftime. I mean, it was it was good. I mean, it wasn't it was kind of leading you down the path, and you're getting to the point where okay, we need to get some of these questions answered. Right. Like I mentioned, I liked Matt's recollection of the lock. I mean, it was just very well done with the animation, and there were some great panoramic shots of the city. You know, the truck heist itself, the swapping of the truck and stuff, that's, uh, I guess, more of a movie trope where there's a lot of movies out there that have done that. But it, I don't know. It seemed to work uh, in the episode so far. And uh, the other note that I had was simply just showing that the satellite link was was good. I liked seeing that. So I just went down a half point on this, man. I'm at 4.5 on my mask meter so far. A uh, little bit of Scott and T-Bob, you know, in there. The jokes were total crap, but for the most part, I was bought into the story, so I wasn't noticing those or just kind of letting those slide on by as I'm right. watching the episode. So, 4.5, where are you at? Well, I'm actually at a, I'd say a solid 4 right now. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good plot for me, the chess set being of at least more of a high value because of its age and who it, who it was meant for versus just you know, a 1,500-year-old chess That's set right. for, you know, yeah. for off the store, you know. I like the little suspense they had at the bridge and losing the truck. You got the guy, which was Dagger, you know, just blocking him for a little bit. The duo seemed at first seemed to have their own adventure, completely not at all related. Usually you can see it's going to relate, and I knew it was going to relate in some form. But this one was like um, not knowing what we know now, you know, the, the next right. part, I'm like, this is completely on their own. He's having to rescue T-Bob, you know, this is the masked duo having their own little adventure. That's right. And hopefully they're not doing anything to collide or whatever back. But again, they weren't bothering Matt that much. They're, the puns were tolerable, but wasn't overbearing like the last episode. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> See, I liked him in the last episode. That was I know the thing you I pulled did. Out. It would irritate the piss so. out of me. <laughs> Which I don't know. Understand? I like. I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially T-Ball. But man, to each his own. Yeah, like you, the look of Matt. You know, trying to do a flashback of the locks. But I would have cued on the locks, not the whole truck. To me, it was just the padlock that changed. So did they take the chest set and re-padlock it? No, that was me. But. I was thinking they just—I was thinking they just had a decoy and they had threw a padlock on the back of this truck that looked identical, and you know they basically hijacked them, took that truck, and left that one behind for them to find. So that was my take. I did take note this episode; they actually had the the cartoon characters blinking. That was a regular thing. It wasn't—I won't say constant like we might see on modern cartoons, but. They actually put the effort in the drawing to have the characters, the cartoon characters, at least blink a few times. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was all good stuff. I dinged them because I was disappointed on the call up. You know, where's the freaking assemble? Where's the approved? Come on. And um, we got a hint of the suspense, but it kind of like it was slapped against us. You know, it wasn't a usually there's a, a, I don't know, two minute, three minute piece story. Mm-hmm. And then we get the suspense. It's not a, uh, oh, here's Venom, you know, we found the jewels. Oh, wait, 30 seconds. We got to do something for the dramatic commercial break. Uh, let's go back to t- Scott T. Bob. He's going to go over to the 
waterfall. Yeah, Boom. it was it was quick. It was quick. It was too quick, and that's why I landed on a solid four. I I, I was disappointed with, like I said, the call up and the way they slapped this suspense together. Yeah, yeah, it was very quick at the end there because I was I was watching the time, and I think Venom came in around nine minutes, and you know, like we said, I don't try to make it too much of a formula where they bring Venom in. Sometimes it's best. I mean, they essentially teased them in the first half and they were full on in the second half. Uh, and sometimes we don't get Venom until the second half of the episode, which I don't know. I like to have a little bit of them in the first part and we got that. So just was curious where they were going with that whole Scott and T Bob sidebar there, right. you know? So anyway, yes. Okay, so we're back from halftime, uh, back inside the tunnel there. Scott is still heading for the waterfall without a paddle to steer him into the other tunnel where uh, the shop owner is taking T-Bob. So he's getting to that point in the tunnel where it's obvious he can't get to the right, and he calls out to T-Bob. T-Bob, use the sword! Help me! So what Scott does was sling the sword down the, the other tunnel... Mm-hmm. And it was just a perfect throw that T-Bob uses his go-go gadget arm to reach up and catch it, cut his restraints, and then he just dives into the water and converts into jet ski mode. Now, we have we seen jet ski mode before? I we've thought we had once, maybe a couple times. We've seen it once before, but we actually had two skis versus this one almost like a surfboard, bodyboard, or whatever it is for him. Yeah, it seemed a little different. I did thought we had seen this mode before for T-Bob, but I couldn't remember exactly. So uh, T-Bob then motors towards Scott. At the last second, he grabs Scott from the boat with his arms and kind of plops him down back on himself and jets away up the uh, against the current there. T-Bob, he says he feels... I couldn't understand what he said. It sounded like e-ticket. Yeah. I feel like an e-ticket ride at Disney World. That must have been like a predecessor to the Fast Pass. Uh, something e-ticket ride at Disney World is what he said. So I'm not sure exactly what that reference was, but anyway, uh, about this time we fade to the mask transport plane flying overhead. Nice to see that, and we got a couple angles with that. I did like it as the camera kind of zoomed by it, and we get to hear the engines and everything. It was uh, it was pretty cool, and then we fade right to the museum. So we don't know where they ended up landing the transport plane in uh, Istanbul, but. Nonetheless, the mass team is huddled around a slide projector now in this dark room. Looks like a library, maybe, or something. And uh, Matt is kind of explaining to the other team about this chess set. He says, But no one has ever figured out what that key is, or even what the treasure is. And at this point, there was, sounded like there's a little audio glitch. Did you hear that? I heard a small glitch, but I thought it was, (laughs) I took it as a a YouTubeism, not a. It could have been. It almost sounded like a uh, back in the day when you actually used tape, like reel-to-reel tape. Like yep, somebody yep. slowed it down for a second. <laughs> yep, I heard Kept it. on going. But anyway, uh, Cahoot says you can bet the thief hasn't pawned the chess set. Gloria, she kind of looks discouraged here. And uh, Julio says the chess set has little value other than historical. Well, and this was kind of what you were getting at. Matt interjects that it's a piece of history, which makes it priceless. Gloria says somebody has rooked somebody out of something. I didn't particularly care for that line. (laughs) Rolling my eyes. That was a T-Bob line there. Uh, Matt says they need more information. So about this time, 
Then the power goes out. What's going on? And we cut to the roof here and we see Dagger. Right. Well, I'm going to take it back a tick. When we're, uh-huh. we're looking, when we're looking at Gloria with her little expression, to me, that was her roll her eyes moment at Calhoun and his joke. Uh, saying okay. that someone did, you know, paw on the chest set. That's what I took it as. I got you. So, so they're all like rolling their eyes at their own jokes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, but hanging around T-Bob way too long. No kidding. So anyway, we are outside, like Jason said. We see Dagger with his mask and using Torch to cut a hole in the roof. Torch on! Hurry up, will you? It ain't easy hanging up here all day, you know. Thought that was easy for you, you big ape. Very funny, matchhead. Miles shouts for them to shut up, like always, and informs them they have two minutes before the generator kicks the power back on. Inside, Bruno takes a painting from the wall, then climbs back on the rope, raises out of the roof with Dagger jumping on the, the trapeze. So I guess they cut the power to disable the alarms. Is that what that's, you... That's what I surmised, Okay, yes. yeah. I was trying to piece together why they cut it, but um, it really didn't matter anyway because Mask pretty much froze. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So the power returns with Matt saying that they better check the galleries. The team looks around with Gloria saying, holy Roman Empire. As she notices, Batman? Yeah, really. <laughs> more like Robin. As she notices the hole in the roof. As Matt asks what's mayhem after, he notices an area where a painting should be. They've stolen the mosaic. They've taken the blind Constantine. And then oh. we... Let me stop you for a second, because Matt comes in here and just assumes it's mayhem, or at least calls out mayhem. And I kind of had a, I mean, yes, it's usually mayhem in these episodes. It's always mayhem in these episodes, really. But just him saying that and assuming that they had not seen Venom or anybody up to this point, that it's mayhem, I don't know. Do they not ever fight anybody else? Well, remember, Matt is 99% know-it-all. He knows everything. He's only been stumped once that we've seen so far. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyway, that's that was just my thought at that point. So so we switch back to Venom. Bruno insists to Miles that he didn't drop it. It was like that when they when he took it off. And he's re- referencing that there's holes, basically, in, in the eyes. Uh, Daggard states that there are not any piece of tile in his eyes now. Miles says to try fitting them with these. And he hands out the diamonds. Dagger places the diamonds into the painting's eyes. They begin to shine, kind of like a projector, but they just Mm -hmm. project a light. And what seems like about 15 seconds, it finally fades or reveals a map with Miles having a hearty chuckle. (laughs) Now I know where the crown of Constantine is. So now we know what's the value behind this chess set. Well, and I didn't even know... How he deduced it was a crown. I mean, there was no... No, there's no lead, no nothing. No, didn't nothing. give us any background on right, why he now Miles knows it's a crown. Or, yeah. You know, that, that, that devilish, uh, we're going to get to that crown one way or another. And he's already said that 15 minutes ago, you know. Maybe it was on the map. I didn't really take a good look at the map. Maybe there was like a symbol for our crown or something that he saw on there. Maybe that's what... Maybe I didn't off, see it either. I, I just didn't, saw the map in a little dot. Yeah, I That's didn't. All I saw. Didn't notice. So now we are back to our dynamic duo. Yep, they are uh, in the tunnel, and they see some stairs that Scott thinks will lead them 
perhaps to a way out. Uh, he jumps off T-Bob and they run up the stairs and uh, T-Bob says with their luck, they'll end up in the, you know, the shop owner's backyard. We won't. Now come on. I hope not. I'd hate to end up as a brass spittoon. That was, you know, the shop owner had all the, I think he tells him all the stuff he had in the shop and it was all made out of metal. So I thought that was probably the best joke out of the whole show. Uh, the stairs lead to a dead end. And Scott says he's too tired now to go back. Oh, poor Scott having to ride on T-Bob. And uh, T-Bob says he's too tired to think. So they kind of sit down and they activate this secret passage in the wall. Just randomly, of course. Um, <laughs> and they disappear behind the wall. Sorry, so, I have a Three Stooges moment that just went through. Do you take that wall? Where to? <laughs> back at Thunderhawk now with the agents kind of peering inside from the passenger window. Matt asks the computer to analyze the blind mosaic Constantine painting. 5,534 tiles, 30% blue sky, 20% earth shades, the remaining 50% comprise human figures and the church. But what church? There's got to be a hundred churches in Istanbul. Identify church. Insufficient data, provide location, year, rulers. Scanning Istanbul, circa 5th century AD, old city of Constantinople. Hagia Sophia Basilica. The same model is in the mosaic. There must be some connection. Let's go. So that's how they head out to the church location was this other mosaic that was supposedly there. Is that what you kind of got from that? Because I was, uh, what? Okay, I had to go back and listen. and I did that, but how I wrote my little script, if you will, is uh-huh. there was a back and forth to determine the location and the specific church with Matt and the computer. That's what I left it at. Okay. Yeah. Then that's when they got to the Placia Sophia Basilica. But yeah. It was just back and forth, and I'm like, well, I, I know we do yeah. this pretty well play by play, but that was one of those where... Just- I was just trying to understand how... Okay, so this is a big secret, and just from the mosaic tile thing picture, they figured out where to go next. And I was just trying to figure out how they deduced that, right. but... You know, oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not nothing against like, uh, I'm sure masks Boulder Hill computer is like tip top. One of the best ever created. So there might be a lot of information stored in there. Um, and it's just Matt trying to tell it what to look for, I guess, right. uh, to help them along in the process. But well, sometimes it gets a, a little confusing. Well, it's probably just an Apple two E, you know, Anyway, so at the church now, uh, Venom's already there, of course. Mayhem says it must be here somewhere. You think he hid his crown under the dome? If he did, he must have worn stilts. Uh, so the agents look around, and Bruno kind of shrugs at Mayhem, like, I don't know where this thing is. And Mayhem doesn't want to hear that, so he knows it's here, and he runs up these steps. And about this time, I noticed that the place where they were standing in this like courtyard was almost like a chess board. You had the black and white tiles in there. So I was like, that's got to be a clue or got to be part of it. Right. So uh, as Mayhem goes up these steps, he turns and tells Vanessa to put her woman's intuition to work if she has any. Femininity? you got to be kidding. You want to come over here and say that again, Needle Nose? <laughs> They're going mad at this, this oh, episode. Yeah. I missed it because I don't remember... When the last time they were, it's been a while, but they used to go like brother and sister just going at it. 
Yeah, or I don't know, maybe a little bit more than that. Anyway, uh, Rex uh, just trips in the middle of this uh, courtyard here, and Vanessa calling him a clumsy crook. Rex says it wasn't his fault. There's a hole in one of these floor tiles. And, you know, we would learn that these are little keyholes. I'm like, how are you tripping over a keyhole? He must be clumsy as hell. But anyway, uh, Mayhem tells Vanessa to look at her area and see if she notices any holes in the floor. And then Mayhem tells Dagger to get on his knees and find the third keyhole at this point. I guess he realized they're a keyhole. Dagger says that he thought they were looking for a crown. He didn't sign up for this dusty, dirty kind of job. But anyway, they've got all three keyholes found now. And Bruno, Dagger, and Rax insert three of the chess pieces into the hole. And Mayhem tells them to turn them. How did, uh, again, how did he know which chess pieces to use? Um, anyway, yeah, the floor, yeah. the floor separates now and there's a, uh, like platform that emerges from the middle and there are Scott and T-Bob with <laughs> T-Bob having the crown right on his head. That's right. Mayhem sees them and calls to Bruno. Bruno, the crown! Magna beam on! <laughs> T-Bob, come back! Ouch! <laughs> Bruno uses magna beam to pull T-Bob towards him. It's almost like, I guess, a, a version of whip, like a tractor beam or something. Right, right. But anyway, he pulls him, and T-Bob just pretty much plows right into him, and the crown goes dropping and rolls away, and Bruno and the rest of the Venom uh, agents give chase to this uh, crown. And Scott says he's going to see where they are going, while T-Bob says he'll see about hiding. Uh mm-hmm. It was a good one. To me, it was. Yeah. Well, and then here, so the crown continues to roll down. They're going to roll down some stairs, and the agents give chase. And T-Bob's hiding place now is somehow now down below in the direct path of this rolling crown. And he kind of hunkers down. Bruno lazily uses Magnum Beam again to bring the crown to him. And T-Bob trips him, and it goes flying into this fountain. And just then we've got uh, now Thunderhawk and Raven pulling up to the fountain. Bruno sees them and takes off in the other direction. And uh, now we get Matt asking Calhoun. Want to take on that behemoth? Takes a lot. And now we get uh, Switchblade Manta taking to the sky. And Thunderhawk takes to the sky with Manta shooting lasers at him. This was actually a good, to me it was a good laser battle. Matt... Mm -hmm. Asked Julio for help with Julio being blasted and saying that the big burrito has him grounded. Matt now is able to shoot his way to get Switchblade off of Julio. It works, but now Jackhammer is lighting him up. However, Julio is able to get Firefly turned around real quick. And Julio uses his super stickum mask to gum up the turret guns. Dagger keeps trying to shoot, 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 shoot. And then you hear this bling. Is what it sounded like to me. Quick, but it ends yeah. up knocking Dagger out of Jackhammer completely. Now we have a rogue Jackhammer or Bronco <laughs> rolling, running down the highway. Yeah. Well, it was like he, you know, he, he stuck that stuff to the turret gun and he's trying to fire it, trying to fire it, trying to fire it. And then finally it does engage and then he's like not expecting it. And it kicks him off the turret, but. Right. Yeah, that, that was a little hint to Rax there, since we oh, didn't yeah. get to see him much for the rest of the episode. No, we didn't. 
But now Rax does race up and picks up Dagger, who says they should get out of there. Manta is still chasing Thunderhawk, and then Firefly enters in, and Julio uses streamer oil, which covers her windshield, since her basically falling. The duo reach into the water for the crown, and as they see Manta falling and crashing into one of the seven towers, the tower falls towards the duo as Thunderhawk blasts it into dust. At the museum, we have Mehmet Bey, who is grateful and extends his gratefulness from the city of Istanbul. He turns to T-Bob and says, And especially to you, T-Bob, for retrieving the emperor's headdress. I consider it my crowning achievement. Mehmet just shakes his head, which should be the whole cast doing that. Instead, <laughs> yes. the rest of them are like, oh, that's a good one, T-Bob. And yeah. it fades away. <laughs> <laughs> at least we got somebody shaking their head in disgust. Yeah, really. uh, at T-Bob. all people, it's someone that doesn't know him. Right. Okay, so... Uh, Episode ends. We fade up into our PSA. Back at the Tracker Mansion, Scott and T-Bob are inside Thunderhawk. Scott's pretending to drive. And T-Bob is using the passenger seat as a springboard, pretty much. Yeah. Wow, T-Bob, look at me. Just like Dad. Oh, I want to play too, Scott. And steps on the handbrake or parking brake, emergency brake, whatever you want to call it, in the middle between the two uh, bucket seats. And causes the car to start drifting backwards. Scott asks, what's happening? As the backside of the car slams right into the front gate at Trekker Mansion. And a little bit later, we see Matt kind of inspecting the damage to the bumper and scolds Scott that he should never play in a parked car. Of course, Scott blames it on T-Bob that he's the one that stepped on the emergency brake. But T-Bob agrees saying, And I took a trip in the wrong direction. (sighs) Rolling my (laughs) eyes. Okay, it's up to you this time to start us out. So you were at a four, right? Right. Where did you go from here? Well, we'll see. I'm Um, guessing not up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't happy about the omission, like I said, about the approval and the assemble mask. But I like that we got a lot more mask interaction we've got a lot more vehicles attacking both with the mass they actually had their commands which was a plus from i don't know when the last time they actually knew what a command was um (laughs) one command was for the uh, i don't mean to interrupt you but um the firefly the second firefly command was actually shooting out of the vehicle so i was like so now we have a voice command for the vehicle Yep. Not the mask. So I don't know if that was intentional or not. I don't remember if that's ever happened before. I didn't think I it think had. So. But I mean, it's kind of a cool feature, especially when you're in a where he is kind of there's no really much of a cockpit or buttons or anything to right. uh, activate your weapons. So, hey, why not? Let's uh, shoot to stick them out of the front of the vehicle at a, with a voice command. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> um. The duo's journey ended up leading them into finding the crown, which turned into an episode by itself. Mm-hmm. I both liked, I kind of more of a tick, but I both liked how T-Bob ended up tripping um, Calhoun. At the same time, it seemed out of place for where yeah. it looked like he was running to. So I just kept it as a tick, but because I don't, I don't think there was really consistency there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I liked it the way how they use the chess pieces as the, the keys and the diamonds to lo- locate this this crown, the secret location, which happened to look like just a huge chess set anyway. Right. The animation was was pretty good, uh, a lot better than it has been. Yeah, T-Bob started to wear on me, especially more about the PSA because it didn't really involve anything anymore. And at least there's no correlation with the PSA and the episodes. Um, I actually went up a little bit. Oh, I really? Was, yeah, I was impressed with the animation. I was impressed with the voice commands. I was impressed with the the masks and the use of masks in the vehicles. So I went up to a 4.5, which we rounded to a 5. Wow, okay. How about you? That's surprising to me because... Uh... I kind of went the other way a little bit. <laughs> oh, that figures. <laughs> uh, so I was actually pretty high with it, 4.5. Um, just coming off the end battle, it seemed uh, it could have been just orchestrated a little bit better. I'm, I always appreciate the vehicle battles. But uh, we had no racks, like we said. Gloria was nowhere to be found. True. And they made this huge deal in the call-up about her sub, about Raven being an aquatic oh. vehicle. Didn't it, use it. Didn't use defense, it. In defense, they said they could be used. And then they said they would. It could. <sighs> then why are they there? Pick somebody else that has a vehicle that can actually be used in battle. Um, well, Raven I don't know, I wasn't just, even used. That's right. I mean, Raven didn't even transform once. We never saw Shark. No. So, I don't know. It just felt like they uh, had a scene or scenes that were uh, like a water battle part of that and just had to chop it or something. Could be. I don't know. I, that was kind of disappointing to me because you've got, you've got Rax over here. You've got Gloria and Calhoun to have their vehicles and have a little water battle here, but didn't happen, and that was kind of frustrating to me especially you know bring them in for another they have a knowledge of turkish culture something i don't care but (laughs) don't tell me that we're gonna have a water battle we don't have a water battle um all of t-bob's jokes were i didn't get any laughs out of this episode really there's just all puns and i was like roll my eyes roll my eyes roll my eyes (laughs) yeah and the there was little to no payoff on that shop owner. I thought maybe that he was going to be in on it or kidnapping T-Bob with some piece to the puzzle here. But no, it was just basically a uh, miscommunication between him and Scott bargaining for this sword. And uh, we didn't get... It was almost like a coincidence or uh, just a happenstance that they stumbled into Venom there at that same point. So uh, it was... I just saw it as a time killer, which kind of sucked. But so basically, Scott T. Bob found the treasure, you know, they, they, it. which it that negated the whole reason to have those fun little secret keyholes and the painting and all that. I mean, they they built that up so much as part of the adventure of finding this treasure, and I was really buying into that. But oh, hey, we'll just have Scott and T. Bob mistakenly find this thing and throw him in the middle of this battle at the end. I just didn't like that. I, I thought that could have been done better. <laughs> um, the masks were used, but except for the goop in battle, most of them were just like tools. You know, we're using torch to make a hole. We're using magna beam to bring the crown to him. You know, there wasn't uh, 
it wasn't really a mask battle. It was just more or less their functionality. But uh, I was glad that they used them, obviously. Right. Um, some of the logistics were a little bit off. You know, the mask agents seemingly hanging out there in the dark when they should have been out the door and looking at the galleries when the power went out versus waiting until it came back on. You know what I mean? Um, oh, they forgot their, their mask, so they had no lights to, you know, still, turn the mask light on. You're going to be hunkered down in that room? I don't know. That didn't seem like their personality, at least Matt, to me. He's more of an investigative person. Uh, the animation was good. I would say not great, but a couple, you know, small little glitches took me out of the episode. But there was some really nice... The panning shot of all of the Venom agents was really great. When they hang the... I think it's when they uh, put the diamonds in the painting and you get this shot of just all of them standing side by side. Really well done. I've got to put that into a panoramic uh, shot if yeah. I can uh, and get it up on Facebook. But um, the uh, I, just, I just needed more explanation on how Mayhem knew how to use the painting with the diamonds and the chess piece keys. And, you know, we found out that, hey, if you destroy one of these pieces, you're going to find diamonds inside. Why weren't they just destroying the whole chess set? Right. You know, and that would have destroyed the keys. So I, I, like I said, there's just needed to be a little bit more explanation or a little bit better way to tell that story and, and make that adventure what it could be. So I mean, that's why the only thing that really kind of brought it down to me was I think it was set up to make for a really great episode. And you had all these great agents on hand to have a nice showdown at the end and the adventure overall, but the formula just didn't quite add up at the end of the episode as I'm kind of reflecting on it. So I pulled it all the way down. I'm at a three is what I wow. voted it for. Just too many questions I had at the end. And maybe I'm over analyzing it, but um, I was really hoping for a little bit more at the end of the episode from halftime and just didn't pay off for me. So uh, any Touch on our uh, movie script there that you saw. Just a little bit in? there with the turrets where, where I don't think we gummed it up, but I think we still attacked uh, Jackhammer in, the, in our script. Mm-hmm. And we ended up knocking it over, which actually takes out. I can't remember who we have as Bruno. our. Bruno as was our, in the turret. Yeah. Because we, we didn't have the uh, where the person in the turret can drive the vehicle at the same no. time. We had so. Dagger driving the Jackhammer and we had. Bruno in the turret. It yeah, Bruno. Bruno was in the turret, and we we essentially t- attack Jackhammer. It flings over, basically yeah. cracks Bruno's head or whatever. It kills him. I don't think we actually get de- too detailed. It just kills him. Yeah. And then Dagger's mad, pissed off. He, I can't remember if we get uh, Jackhammer righted up and back in action again or not. But, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's gosh, it's been a while. But yeah, yeah this this whole uh, battle we have at Boulder Hill at the end, mm-hmm. and that's part of that. Um, getting Jackhammer in there and Bruno in the turret to uh, to take him on and take on. I think Rhino is mm-hmm. kind of heading the other direction. So yeah, I can't can't remember exactly how that uh, whole part of that scene ends up, but. Uh, we still need to do something with our script. I still need to, yes. <laughs> if I ever get the time to, I hear you. Put it into a you know a novel or or something. But anyway, um, yeah, I didn't really pull anything 
particular out uh, as far as our script goes when I was uh, viewing that. Uh, over to our poll. Yep. It's like we have six I, votes. Yeah, six. We were kind of in the middle here. Three were for a three. We had two fives and one two. Is that right? That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, two fives and one two three three. So uh, more towards the top half of the poll there. Uh, probably somewhere around in the almost four range on average. So uh, we did get three comments this time. So this is great. Yeah, we got Decker. I keep thinking of Colonel Decker whenever I see that. Name. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he says, I liked the mystery treasure hunt concept of this episode, but felt the execution just missed. Although as a kid, I remember being shocked that T-Bob was being bot napped. <laughs> it was good to see some of the newer agents in a battle scene. And like Anna said, the Venom banter was pretty awesome. All in all, I think this episode is middle of the road. Two things that stood out on the rewatching. Julio playing chess with himself during the call-up was pretty interesting, and the agents researching in the library for more information, but not doing anything during Venom's raid because they did not have their masks. Or was it because the Venom raid was conducted so quickly? I was just curious on everyone's thoughts on that scene. Well, it was kind of, I guess, spontaneous, if you think about it. They're researching, they're engulfed in trying to figure out the mystery of why they're interested in this chess set, what's unique about it. So I guess, I mean, you're not sitting there with your mask ready to go in case someone you know, cuts the lights, I guess. Well, I don't know. I, Again, I, I like that they explained that they only had like two minutes before the power came back on, and we kind of deduced that that was to keep the alarms from going off. So it was a quick raid to get that painting. Again, how did they know, or that picture, how did they know they needed the picture? That was another part of the puzzle that just wasn't, right. how do you, how do you get from the chess set to the picture? Uh, didn't really explain that, but um, yeah, that it just seemed to me just the flow of the episode that they decided to hold out in the library until the power came back on. So that's just that was my take as I'm uh, watching the episode. Uh, let's get to Anna's comment here. I think this is a really good episode. Considering the fact that the episodes only last for about 20 minutes, I do not think it was too easy for Venom to find the crown, but I think they gave up a little too fast at the end. It was surprisingly easy for T-Bob to take down Bruno, and Bruno gave up the moment he saw Mask. I like the scenes where Scott threw his sword at T-Bob for him to help him, and T-Bob surprisingly catches it perfectly. Also, the bickering between Rax and Vanessa is priceless, particularly the part about whether Vanessa has any feminine intuition or not. At last, I must say, it surprised me a little when I realized that Mehmet was a good guy. There was something about his eyebrows when he put the key to the lock in his pocket. It made me suspect that he was cooperating with Venom, but this was clearly not what the creators had intended by the scene. And that's what I kind of took by that, too. I mean, I was like, "Is this, this seems a little shady here, and they're spending a little time on him putting the key in his pocket, and I don't know. He, he was, to me, a shady character, so uh, I was kind of getting that vibe as well. But, uh, yeah, again, I guess a little too high thinking for a kid's cartoon show. <laughs> 
you're gonna have an inside man. But uh, one more here. Right. It's from Chopin Simon. I gave this episode three points. Unlike the previous episode, there was a battle at the end, and I liked that the part about the armored car. It was also nice to see some typical Turkish monuments. But the story is not surprising at all, and it lacks some excitement. It was pretty easy for Mask and Venom to find the treasure. There were no dangers along the way. Yeah, we've seen some of those uh, yeah. treasure hunting episodes where they had some obstacles, booby traps, whatever you want to call them, to, uh, that were set up for them to make it harder to find the treasure. And that was a little bit of a problem of what I had, too. I mean, Scott and T-Bob just stumbled into it with this uh, wall uh, secret passage right. that uh, it was just seemed random to me. And anybody could have found it between now and whatever, hundreds of years before uh, in that one little area that was a staircase to nowhere. So <laughs> anyway, I just think that uh, there was some, that's why I brought my rating down. There was uh, some of those steps along the way they could have made a lot better. So mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for uh, commenting uh, this time. It's really good to get some uh, reviews and uh, some other takes as we are just two people, and now we have five here, so that's great to get all those takes in the end of the podcast. Yeah. Next episode now, episode 58, The Creeping Desert. A corrupt landowner hires Venom to destroy land in Acapulco, Mexico rendering them worthless patches of desert so Mayhem can buy up real cheap and restore the land later with an advanced hydration machine. Hmm. Actually, I'm not sure if that's the landowner that's buying it up or if it's Mayhem, but we'll see how Venom is, uh, I guess, incorporated into that. It sounds like they're a hired gun almost in this uh, like episode, which uh, makes for interesting. When uh, We've had some episodes where they have, been quote unquote hired by yeah. uh, other people to help in their evil plan instead of just mayhem's plan. So <laughs> it's been a while since I think we had one of those where uh, Venom's essentially there to collect some money and do the dirty work. Yeah, most of it's been uh, you know mayhem going for treasure, or artifacts or something in the last several episodes. So this ought to be uh, be interesting. So stay tuned for that. Uh, make sure you go over to the website. Once that gets up, I'll, I'll get it posted here soon after we release the uh, mass cast for episode 57 and uh, get your votes in, get your uh, rating and your uh, comments in so we can uh, include them in the next podcast. But I think that's going to do it for mass cast 73, my friend. Yeah, I think so. And we want to thank you for being a part of mass cast and we invite you to be a fellow agent fellow mask agent that is by participating in our mask cast assignments our voting and of course commenting on the each episode stay in touch with us via agentsofmask.com or on our social media sites again we invite you to join us again for our next episode of mask cast Oh boy, it's almost like Christmas!